welcome back to Wellness Weekly. I'm Rachel Kukaji. And I'm Brock Lutz. Today we are here with Christy Meyer, Director of Academic Services. Welcome, Christy. And if you could start off by telling us a bit about your background and your job here. Sure. Um, Thanks, Rachel. And thanks, Brock. So my job here is, I like to think of myself as an academic coach. And so what that looks like really differs from person to person. But usually it starts out with just understanding where people are academically, what they feel like is going well, what they feel like isn't going well, and then looking for the best solutions to move them along. And so for some people that um, that means more accountability, for some people that means better strategies, most people it's a combination of, of the two. Some people just need to talk through what's going on. As a commercial for academic services, what, what do you offer? I mean, for for students who might listen to this and say, so what what would I even go in there and do with someone? What what would that look like? Sure. So sometimes for students, I sit down and we talk through their week, and we figure out what's not working well in terms of their time management, and then we come up with solutions. A lot of sometimes we talk about a particular class and why that's not going well for them and how they can make it better. A lot of times students want to come in and talk about a three or four year plan and just say, okay, what I think I might want to major in or minor in is this and this. Is this possible and what would this look like for Mm me? A lot of that. Um, A lot of exploring of different options, long term and and short term. So really, it's varied. And I just start with a conversation with what's going well, what's not going well, or what are you concerned about? Okay. Have you ever had epiphany type experiences with people in terms of changing their career plans in meetings? All the time. Hmm. All the time. One of my favorite stories is I I had been meeting with a student for uh, probably multiple semesters, definitely multiple months. And every time we we kept going over the same things about how they Hmm. dreaded going to these classes that were in their major. And all of a sudden, one day I said, do you think you should switch majors? You seem very miserable here. And this led to totally switching departments. Hmm. I can actually think of two students this happened with both STEM mm-hmm. and they ended up majoring in something more humanities oriented. Mm-hmm. That was me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to be a bio or biochem major. And mm-hmm. now I'm about to graduate with a BA in rhetoric and public address. Yeah. Yep. And journalism. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's yes. very different. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it takes... I think talking to an outside person, in my case, I talked also to my parent. Well, and career path, I think, unfolds over time. It's not this linear process. You might do an internship, you might work at a summer camp, you might have a conversation with someone like you or a professor or have an intro class and all of a sudden say, oh, wow, wait, no, this thing is what I love. And I I came in as a a math major and then Mm -hmm. I worked at a summer camp after my freshman year and I thought, I want to do this. I don't want to be an engineer. I want to work with people. And mm. so some of those little mm-hmm. those, those little experiences mm-hmm. sometimes really can guide us. Yeah. So Absolutely. Yeah. So besides those you know, big moments in the day-to-day, say someone loves their major, but they just do struggle with it or they struggle with their schedule. What are some of those common day-to-day problems that you see with students or that students go to you for? And what is some advice that you give them? So one of the things that I see over and over is paralysis. Hmm. So people um, have a sense that they need to be doing something, but they don't know how to get started on it. And paralysis 
actually takes a lot of different forms that don't always look like paralysis. A lot of times paralysis is can be masked by people actually doing a lot of different things that aren't what they really ought to be doing. Mm. Um, what do you mean? So, like, um, you know that the most important task that you have to do in the back of your mind is really working on a big paper mm-hmm. um, or working on a big project or getting started studying for a big test, but you're not really sure, especially with the project or the paper, how to get started. So rather than doing that, you spend a lot of time um, responding to emails. So okay. something that actually needs to be done, mm-hmm. maybe, or organizing your notes. Or um, I've had students or come deep cleaning your dorm room. Deep cleaning. <laughs> I had a student. I had a student years ago who used to say that she knew she was procrastinating when she started organizing her shoes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it seems like a productive activity. Hmm. Or I'm going to do laundry. Once I do laundry, I'm going to have all the mental clarity that I need yeah. to start this project. Mm-hmm. Or even. Even something as simple as I'm going to do all my homework for tomorrow Mm -hmm. because then I'll have cleared my plate and then I can really focus on that. And in fact... So, so that's not a bad thing to well, be doing. Because part of me, I could see it as is good. I mean, maybe in like a Jordan Peterson esque way, he talks about like doing small things that might lead to bigger things. Um, but there's you're see, you see a negative side of that, right? I don't think it's not entirely negative, but right. I think sometimes it can be a mask for a different kind of paralysis where you mm. don't really know how to get started, mm. and so you choose to do all these other things because they they give you the illusion of moving forward. And in fact, you are moving forward in a sense, just not with the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And so then then people get in this cycle of what I'd call binge and bust. When the semester gets busy, then they ramp up for these big things. And then they spend so much of their energy ramping up. So they really don't start studying or working on this big project until one or two nights before it's due. They spend all this energy they deprive themselves of sleep, and then they crash when it's done. Mm. And then, you know, the crash lasts maybe two or three days, maybe four days. Then it's time for the next project. They ramp up, work really hard mm-hmm. for a couple days. Mm. And now, I do work with students that that has to be their work pattern. For whatever reason, maybe a student that's dealing with ADHD, they have to wait till that urgency kicks in. Mm-hmm. And so that's really their best work pattern. Pattern, but for most people, that is not their best work work pattern. I yeah. would say yeah. the procrastination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Procrastination by answering emails that uh, hits home, <laughs> or bullet journaling. I have people that mm-hmm. have beautiful notebooks or planners that are color coded, mm-hmm. but they're really not mm-hmm. doing their work. I can see myself organizing their work. Yes. So, yeah. why why do you think people become paralyzed? I think the biggest reason that people become paralyzed is because they don't know how to get started. Okay. Or the the task that needs to be done is so large that it doesn't seem to fit in with the amount of time that they have. Hmm. And so... So they look and they think, okay, for me to do this the way I want to do it, it's going to take 25 hours, but I only have 10, and mm-hmm. they just kind of shut down. Right. Or even mm-hmm. this to really get a good start on this, it's going to take three hours. Mm-hmm. Well, right now I have one, mm-hmm. so it would be better for me to do this other thing. And, th- and in fact, that's really not true. So, so what I encourage people a lot of times to do with the project is to identify the next step 
and a step has to be something that is achievable in under an hour. And I would mm. really say ideally in under 45 minutes. Yeah. And if you're really plagued by paralysis, I'd go the smallest step possible, like even something that's achievable in 15 to 20 minutes. Mm. So like for a paper, for me, I actually have a lot of decision fatigue mm-hmm. um, where I can see so many options and I love just kind of wallowing in the options. Yes. I do this all the time when I'm planning my food menu. It's just like, well, I have this, you know, this pork tenderloin or something. I can think of like 50 different things. Mm-hmm. And I can think, well, I bet there's the perfect recipe still out there. And so I spend hours and hours and hours researching recipes without yes. actually deciding. And I see that all the time with students, right? And so my antidote to that is pick three things for a paper topic or a project topic that would interest you, nominate three things that you'd be willing to write about, and then kind of spend maybe five minutes to 10 minutes per topic just kind of either doing some quick, quick dive research, like just Google research, like, okay, what would this topic actually look like? Or just brainstorming if it's, you know, if it's something within a text, just writing down a few ideas. And then kind of talking through that and seeing what actually interests you the most, but stop after three. Hmm. So don't, you know, don't assume that the 20th option is going to be the most interesting Mm -hmm. because that keeps people from getting started. So that's a great, you know, that's an example of a decent first step that really is only going to take about 30 minutes. And then you've nominated your three topics. Think about them for the next couple days, maybe talk them through with somebody else. And then you go in and you actually start picking a topic. Mm -hmm. And I think certain classes and professors are also very helpful with this idea of the process of writing because they will have you, you have to have your topic by this point. You have Mm -hmm. to have some sort of outline by this point. We're going to check in at this point. Or depending on the paper, that might look different, especially with big thesis stuff. They make you have to have checkpoints to make sure people aren't writing a 40-page paper in the ramp up fashion. But if people are writing in the ramp up fashion, what would you recommend people to break out of that? If like, okay, sure you can say, make it into small steps, but what if they can't see how a subject can be broken into smaller steps? Or it's, for example, not a paper, it's something else. I think there are very few things that can't be broken into smaller steps. So if you're really unable to see how that could work, a friend can oftentimes, mm-hmm. somebody somebody who's outside your own head and outside your own life can oftentimes help you break it into smaller steps. Mm-hmm. The writing center tutors are actually pretty good about that because part of part of our vetting process for picking the writing center tutors is helping having them describe their process to us. Mm-hmm. And one thing we always look for is that they actually have a process. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's not just, well, first I sit down and I wait for inspiration to hit and then I sit in front of my computer for the next 20 hours writing. So talking it through with somebody else, I do a lot of talking about process with people. Mm-hmm. So just saying, okay, what's the first step? When's a great, when's a time in your schedule that you could put that? Um, and then for tougher tasks, honestly, just it's not just a matter of knowing what that small task is, but also finding the right time in your day when you're not so tired out that you can actually start mm-hmm. a new task. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. I, one of the things I've heard you say a lot of times is that kind of thinking about Rachel's question of, of, you know, what if someone feels stuck? I think that there is 
a real hesitation sometimes just to ask for help. I mean, just mm. to say, mm-hmm. wait, even this smaller te- this 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 test or whatever else, actually, I don't know how to start. And I I think that um, one thing I've heard you say that is that's helpful is that for you and your offices, some of the most successful academic students over the last several years have accessed your services. It's not just people who are pathological or who are really struggling. The people actually that are achieving very well, but still are willing to just ask for some help. And I, I think we're we're very, I don't think it's just Hillsdale College, I think in general, often very reticent to say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Do you have any thoughts on how I could could improve it? And I think that's a big barrier as well that's important for students to get over. I definitely agree. One time, um, one semester at the end of the semester, I went through and figured out the average GPA of the students who met with me. Hmm. And it was it was three, four, which is uh, three, 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 four. Yeah. And which is pretty compat, pretty, pretty comparable to what the, the overall college GPA is. Yeah, right. And so, you know, some of those students absolutely mm-hmm. are struggling and are, you know, getting even a two, two is is maybe an achievement for them. But if I have enough two twos that I have to, you know, I have a lot of three eights and three nines and and Mm -hmm. 4.0 students who are balancing that out. Mm -hmm. And the thing I would say about what I do is not so much, yes, I do offer people help, but oftentimes what people are getting from me is is more of a space to process what is going on for Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. and to get outside their own head and talk it through. And I feel, you know, it's, I'm sure you see this in your work as well, Brock, probably 75% of people, 80% of people are are verbal processors and really find things out about themselves by talking it through Mm -hmm. with somebody else. And they can find their own solutions a lot of times, which is what we want anyway. Yes. Yes. Because oftentimes I say, you know, here's some things I've seen people do in the past, Mm -hmm. do any of these, you know, because in 20 minutes, I'm not going to know you well. So I'll give you maybe four or five options mm-hmm. or two or three options that I've seen work for other people. And then people say, you know what? This sounds like something I could make myself do. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that's the best solution is something that's going to work for you and that you can get yourself to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you were talking about paralysis, one of the things that I, I think we see a lot in our more counseling side is paralysis being um being triggered by an idea of perfectionism, like I can't start it or I can't even complete it. I mean, we have students sometimes who won't turn things in that are Mm -hmm. 97% complete, you know, because their idea that, wait, it's not perfect. So I can't, either I can't start it or I can't keep going on it. Do you see that a lot? And and how do, what what are things of advice for you to, to give to those students? I do see that a lot. Um, sometimes probably the same people that, that you see <laughs> right. on, on levels that I would say are, are almost dangerous mm-hmm. to their, um, to the, to their own well being. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times if it's, if it's at a dangerous level, I have people do a cost benefit analysis. So what's the cost to you? What's the benefit to you of holding on to this paper for longer of trying to get it to a place where you want to be? Mm-hmm. And we write down some of the benefits, you know, maybe I can improve my score, um, and then we, we talk about, well, okay, how long might this take, take for you to improve your score, you know, things like that. And then we look at the cost of holding on to that paper longer. Mm. You know, maybe I'm going to take a late penalty. Uh, maybe I'm going to have to give up some sleep. Um, 
maybe I'm going to fail my other classes, which I've actually watched people do mm. fail their other classes because they're spending so much time on this one paper. And I, you know, then at the end of the day, you have to make your own choice about do you do you like the cost better? Or, you know, which are the benefit? Do the benefits outweigh the cost? Yeah, right. So I do a lot of that with perfectionism. Um, sometimes I say, you know, sometimes people just need an outside person to say, look. I see a lot of papers, and in my mind, this is going to be a passing grade, and you just have to ask yourself, you know, what's your professor's late penalty? Are you going to get it? You know, if your professor is docking one letter grade for every day it's late, are you going to get it 10 points better by waiting another day? You're listening to Wellness Weekly on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM, and we're here talking to Director of Academic Services, Christy Meyer. So... Obviously, this show is called Wellness Weekly, and we've talked a lot about how different components of health play into these things. So do you ever talk to people about what their eating or exercise habits, how that play in, or sleep habits probably a lot, just other components of whole health? Every single day. (laughs) I would say I am almost as likely to talk to people about their friendships or their relationships or their spiritual life, or their physical habits, as I am to talk about academics. Mm-hmm. Because the, I know the college is, is very fond of, of talking about the wellness wheel. And I look at all the areas of people's lives. So like the, the wellness wheel, I would look at each of those areas as maybe buckets in people's mm-hmm. lives. And you have to be filling up each of your buckets. And if the only bucket that you're focused on is that academic bucket, or that academic account, you're not going to be able to be successful. Mm -hmm. I remember a student, this was years ago now, a student who came into me sophomore year, first time meeting, and she said, I'm here because I really want to learn to read more efficiently. And I said, okay, we can can talk about that. And we talked for a long, you know, I asked her a few more questions. And it came out that by the time that she came home from her freshman year, she was almost hospitalized because she was so chronically sleep deprived because Mm -hmm. she was staying up um, to all hours of the night trying to get her homework done because, again, this cycle of perfectionism. And I said to her, I said, I can help you read more efficiently, but honestly, I do not think that is what you need. I think you need somebody to hold you accountable for going to bed. Mm-hmm. And, and and she ended up meeting with me for the next three years, uh, again, and is, is, is leading um, a very, I think, a, a, a very balanced, happy, happy, productive life. But I think most academic problems are rooted in or connected to weaknesses in other areas or imbalances in other areas. Have you seen any particular, that was a great example of sleep, Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of times more of the student body will be aware of it because it's such a common problem. Professors will say, go to sleep before this exam, you need that. But what about physical exercise what about you know spiritual health or relational health can you touch a little bit more on those well sure i mean if especially with relational health i i meet with a lot of students who are having trouble focusing and part of the reason that they're having trouble focusing is because there's all kinds of friend drama or they don't feel supported or they feel lonely or isolated things like that and so um absolutely those are those are different things that that people need to continue to work on. I met with a student recently in the the spiritual realm where she said, I just have so many things on my plate and 
I'm having trouble keeping track of them all. And I, I knew she was a person of faith. And I, I said, well, you know, when you make your to-do list in the morning, have you ever tried to pray over those things and just, um, you know, just take, take each of those tasks and think about how, how you could use them to, uh, to glorify God? And she said, oh, yeah, I guess I could use my planner for that for that purpose. And then we kind of talked through some ways that she could structure her day so that work itself was was a I'm going to say a continuation or or connected to to prayer in her life. Mm-hmm. So those are absolutely conversation. It's all connected. Yeah. It's beautiful. I recently was reading a book on family and un- unhealthy family roles, and it talked about perfectionism but the book that i read talked about how that there is a difference between perfectionism and excellence and we mm. want to be excellent not perfectionistic how would you define those differently wow that's a really good question i think i think when i talk about excellence instead of perfectionism i think excellence is looking at what we could be and where we are and trying to do our very best in a way that brings glory to God. And I think one of the points that that I thought of in preparing for this is that one of the the biggest dangers to that or threats to that is comparison. Because I think when we compare ourselves to others, that it's just absolutely, absolutely toxic for us because then we get caught in, I should be doing as well as this person. And so I can't rest until I'm doing as well as this person when really we're called to be the best version of ourselves and to try as well as we can within our own limitations. In comparison, we don't see other people's limitations. And so, or or their lack of limitations. You know, it's, it's just not a helpful thing to do. And also, comparison can also lead us, instead of perfectionism, to not be excellent, right? Because I'm doing as well as everybody else or I'm doing better than everybody else, so it must be good enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that might not be excellence for us. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time, Christy, for coming on and answering all our interrogative questions. <laughs> Anytime. You've been listening to Wellness Weekly on Radio Free Hills 11.7 FM. I'm Rachel Kukaji. I'm Brock Lutz. Tune in next week to hear our dietitian, Denise Lovinger, talk about healthy eating in college.